My job for today is to introduce the Honorable Frederick A. Mitchell, Foreign Minister of Foreign Affairs and Public Service. He was sworn in as the Minister of Foreign Affairs and Public Service on September 20th, 2021. As Minister of Foreign Affairs, Minister Mitchell was instrumental in the fight to integrate Haiti as a member of the state of CARICOM. He also negotiated several international agreements on behalf of the Bahamas, including the European Partnership Agreement. Please welcome to the stage Foreign Minister Mitchell. Good afternoon, and thank you, Ms. Robinson, uh, Ivy. And uh, it's a great pleasure, privilege to be here uh, this afternoon in Chicago. And I tried to think of something humorous to say or something that caused you to laugh. But I remember as a child Frank Sinatra saying, Chicago is my kind of town. Is it? Amen. <laughs> So I want to uh, thank uh, the Prime Minister um, for agreeing to this visit. Uh, I quoted Sidney Poitier, who is a Bahamian or was a Bahamian, he's no past. Uh, and he said when he accepted the Academy Award, it's been a long, long journey. And we've been planning this uh, with Michael Fountain now almost 10 years to try and get this done. And this is part of a pattern of work uh, which Michael's been dedicated to, putting the imprint of the Bahamas uh, here in the city of Chicago uh, to show what we are as Bahamians and to uh, invite you to come to the Bahamas, invest in the Bahamas, and for us to lend whatever expertise we have to your beautiful, wonderful city. So we're glad to be here today, and Prime Minister, thank you for coming. For a long time, Michael, uh, we've been talking about meeting Mr. Primo, so finally we've got him uh, with Long Island Roots. And there are many other Bahamians. Esther Rowe, you know, the, the series uh, which was set in Chicago, although she's not from, she's from Pompano Beach in Florida, but her parents were born in Exuma in the Bahamas. Bert Williams, who was a star of vaudeville in the early uh, 20th century, uh, was also Bahamian-born. I mentioned Sidney Poitier. Fred Papal, who's head of the USPGA, now is from the Bahamas, grew up in Chippingham. W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, from uh, the island of Long Key in the Bahamas, his family. Uh, James Weldon Johnson, who's, uh, who wrote the Negro National Anthem. Uh, his mother, Hester Argo, was from the Bahamas. And, uh, of course, Nora Zora Neal Hurston wrote about the people from Nassau who lived in the city that she talked about in their eyes of watching God. Uh, so there are lots of ties between us, and we've come to reaffirm those ties and to thank the United States and the people of the United States for all the support which they give the Bahamas to make us the successful place we are. We like to call it the best little country uh, in the world. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So we've had an exciting time, exciting uh, hours, meeting with uh, various business and uh, commercial leaders and also with, uh, with the mayor uh, this morning. That was a very illuminating conversation. But the person who's going to give the principal address today is, of course, our prime minister, and we're very proud of him. He's coming up on the second anniversary of his election to office, which will be on the 16th of September, which I believe is next Saturday. 
Uh, he's did a good, done a good job, and there was a great headline in the newspapers at home this morning which said that his approval rating in the Bahamas is over 60%. And, of course, I forgot to mention Andre Rogers. I think the PM will talk more about that. So good to be here, and I'll leave you as I ask the Prime Minister to come and give his statement with what Pope John Paul said when he came to Boston, and it was pouring rain, and he ended by saying, God bless America, even when it rains. So I say, God bless Chicago, even when it rains. Prime Minister. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Please be seated. I have come to Chicago to find that link that has been delinked between the Bahamas and Chicago. And there was quite a close connection to Chicago. Uh, when Andre Rogers, a cricketer from the Bahamas, um, assumed the starting role of as to starting shortstop for the Chicago Cubs, replacing Ernie Banks, who I think moved to first base, and from that time to this for a long time, the connection and the visiting between the Bahamas Chicagoans to the Bahamas and Bahamians to Chicago. In fact, I dare say that Michael is probably in uh, honorary council is probably here because his father came here following Andre Rogers, <laughs> and many others did. And so I've come to uh, to reestablish that link, and I hope you will join me in fostering and strengthening that link. But, ladies and gentlemen, before I begin my remarks. I want to pause and acknowledge that today is September 11th. For the rest of our lives, we will set aside time on this date for remembering. 22 years later, the tragedy is still fresh in our minds. But so too is the heroism of firefighters who rushed towards danger into flames. It was a lesson in courage and strength and service. When we talk to those too young to remember the events of that day, we can share not just a story about the damage that hate can inflict, but a story about the unity that sacrifice can inspire. It is a pleasure to be here with you. And as an avid sportsman fan, I know I can be confident I'm surrounded by like-minded people will have the pleasure of visiting Chicago. What I'm hoping to accomplish in the Windy City is that we end our time together with wind in our sails, confidently charting a course to improve the quality of life of our people. Social, cultural, economic, and familial ties have existed between the Bahamas and the U.S. for decades. You would have heard about James Weldon Johnson, who wrote, lift up every voice and sing. He was of Bahamian descent. Our late Sir Sidney Poitier, 
hail from our shores, and in fact, hail from the family island I'm from, Cat Island. And the first for him in the play Major League Baseball, Andre Rogers, played for many years at shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. Like I'd add here that there's a Bahamian in double-A minor leagues. His name is B.J. Murray in the Chicago farm system. Hopefully we'll see him soon. <laughs> and if we do, I pledge that on his first appearance, I'll come to see his first game. <laughs> and as Andre did back then, Andre's presence here drew scores of Bahamians who decided to start families and make Chicago their permanent home. You may recognize surnames like Fountain, Cadet, and Farrington, which can all be traced to Bahamian lineage, and of course, Primo. This year, in the Bahamas, we celebrate our 50th year of independence. 50 years of... <laughs> 50 years of growth and unprecedented success as a small island nation. We have the third highest GDP per capita in the Western Hemisphere. As we construct our national development plan for the next 50 years, we are building on the strengths and there are extraordinary opportunities for strategic partnerships between the Bahamas and stakeholders in Chicago and the Midwest. Our very beautiful archipelago is a stable and receptive environment for doing business, one that is getting better every day. This coming week marks two years in office for my administration, during which time we have enjoyed tremendous success with investors setting the stage for sustainable growth and prosperity. Our resilience and ability to weather external shocks has helped us persuade investors to see us as a safe harbor for investments. We are focused on making strategic investments which grow and diversify our economy while continuing to boost our country's strengths and relationships. I'm pleased to report that our post-pandemic recovery plan has been a resounding success on all fronts. When we came into office, we ended curfews and lockdowns and emergency orders and travel visas and showed we could manage a health crisis and protect our most vulnerable citizens without repressive measures that hurt our people and our economy. The Bahamian economy has recovered at a healthy rate with real GDP growth of 14.4% in 2022 and 17% in 2021. outperforming our regional peers. By all indications, we are projected to continue to see GDP growth for the foreseeable future. We are not sitting still. We are revamping domestic and foreign direct investment policies to ensure a supportive environment. We are improving both internal systems and external ones to ensure we have the most productive and efficient practices. You may have heard of our tourism industry slogan, it's better in the Bahamas. I can assure you that this is indeed the case in ways too numerous to mention. We do enjoy 
some jurisdictional advantages that make our nation an ideal locale for doing business. Along with Canada and Mexico, we are one of the closest nations to the United States, and we are strategically positioned as a transatlantic shipment and travel hub for the Americas. We are a tax-neutral jurisdiction that openly welcomes investors whose vision for their business aligns with our labor market and economic needs. While we are considered a tax-neutral or low-tax jurisdiction, we can be an appealing prospect for our investors. Our international record for compliance with international transparency and accountability standards is stellar. In fact, in December 2022, we became only the sixth nation in the world, the sixth nation in all the world to become compliant with the Financial Action Task Force's 40 recommendations related to anti-money laundering, counter-terrorism financing, and transparency standards. Our resilient external position is bolstered by the second highest level of foreign exchange reserves among our regional pairs, and our national debt management strategies are working. Government deficits are on a downward trajectory. The Bahamas scores of 84.6% in corruption control and 77.4% in political stability rival those of high-income and developed nations. And a governance indicator score of 76.3 further highlights our status as a transparent and responsible nation. In essence, when you invest in our safe harbor, you can be sure you're investing in a stable environment with responsible government practices that will give your investments the opportunity to thrive unimpeded. From an industry perspective, we are primed for continued expansion. Of course, that conversation begins with our number one industry, tourism. We have built on our standing as a regional leader in tourism over the past two years, with year-over-year -year increases of 233% between 2021 and 2022, and over 5 million tourist arrivals in the first half of 2023, and it is predicted to rise to at least another 8 to 9 million for the rest of the year. And I'm proud to say that this year we do expect to achieve that milestone of a record more than 8 million visitors to the Bahamas. <laughs> Having said that, it is important to acknowledge that the growth of our tourism product is the result of direct foreign investment. We are focused investments on increasing air arrivals, throughout our islands and improving our core experiences through new cruise port facilities. Local resorts are benefiting from the surge in numbers with many local enterprises like the Atlantis property, Bahama properties and Sandals seeing record revenues. Smaller resorts and other businesses that support these enterprises like tours and excursion companies are certainly benefiting from the revenue uptick. In fact, the Bahamas is confronting a good problem. Roman inventories which are being outpaced by visitor arrivals. Good trouble or good problems?
good product. Moving forward, we are working to attract major tourism investments, especially on our less populated family islands, each of which offer their own local and very special version of a truly idyllic paradise. I grew up in, on an island called Cat Island. So I'm, of pas- I'm, so I'm partial to the, the warmth and our tight-knit communities, our rake and scrape music, and our sailing regattas. But the truth is, each island is special. We are building new airports across our islands and building on progress, attracting ecotourism, resorts, and experiences, as well as sports and cultural tourism opportunities. Our financial sector continues to provide a strong foundation for economic stability and investments. Financial services is our second largest industry, and we have long been known as one of the world's best environments for wealth management and wealth generation. Market-responsive wealth management vehicles, like something we call the smartphone, funds, and icons, are renowned for their flexibility and suitability for a wide range of market needs. We are known for having among the strongest trusts and estate planning, planning legislative frameworks in the world. And in keeping with times, we have worked to, to strengthen our regulatory framework for digital assets, earning us accolades and recognition for our innovation. As a result, we are seeing healthy growth in fintech as we seek to further establish ourselves as a world leader in digital assets. The government has embraced fintech. In fact, we are the first country in the world to roll out a central bank digital currency. Our sand dollar empowers unbanked populations, providing financial inclusion through a stable digital fiat currency. This year, the Bahamas will host the inaugural FinTech Conference D3, Bahamas 2023. That will be holding that October 10th through the 12th at the Atlantis Resort, Paradise Island. The event will provide a platform for regulators and industry leaders from the Web3 banking, securities, AI, and technology sectors to exchange ideas on the latest developments in fintech and Web3. Please accept my invitation for those who have an interest to attend this event and prepare to participate in this emerging space. Another major focus for growth is our green economy where we are laying strong foundations, sometimes quite literally, by prioritizing the adoption of climate-resilient infrastructure and technologies. We are rolling out a number of solar plants in our family islands and are seeking to expand these efforts. On our most populous island, New Providence, home to our capital city of Nassau, we are exploring ways to upgrade our grid and power generation capacity through the adoption of cleaner, more affordable energy. It is a top priority for us and a major undertaking, one which will require strategic partnerships and considerable investments. Our commitment to the green economy extends to small and medium-sized businesses as we work on a, on a new facility to help them embrace green technology, reducing their carbon footprints and operating costs. These businesses also have opportunities to generate capital and funding through loans, seed funding, and investments provided through government business development efforts. Funding has been directed specifically 
toward food security enterprises. As we make unprecedented investments in agriculture by empowering farmers and agribusiness entrepreneurs to expand local food production and adopt new technologies for sustainable farming. Climate resilience is high on our agenda. Building climate resilient infrastructure and protecting our shorelines is a critical is critical to protecting lives and livelihoods. As you are aware, small island nations like ours have contributed the least to the climate crisis. We are continuing our advocacy on the global stage for increased reductions of emissions and for multilateral banks to make changes that can leverage private funding and create fear and win-win climate finance. Consider this. Our seagrass meadows, which cover an astonishing 92,000 square kilometers, appear to be absorbing as much or even more carbon than the Amazon rainforest. Another way to say it, a small island state is a large ocean state. And our stewardship of our beautiful and biodiverse waters matters to everyone. We have been mapping our seagrasses with the help of not just scientists, but tiger sharks. They are a critical part of our underwater surveying team, wearing cameras and sending back data points. It's always good to have apex predators on your side. (laughs) This is more than an academic exercise. We intend to be the first country in the world to issue blue carbon credits. The IMF, after conversations with myself, has acknowledged blue carbon as a new emerging asset class and has indicated interest in purchasing our blue carbon credits when our registry is fully activated in the first quarter of 2024. We are exploring the best options for tokenizing and leveraging these assets. It is an exciting time for us, and we are proud to be the pioneers. We are also working to build a pipeline of talent that our young people are ready to participate in in the new blue economy opportunities, including in the aspect of conservation. We have robust scholarship programs at our University of the Bahamas, at our Bahamas Technical and Vocational Institute, as well as educational opportunities through technical cadet corps and collaborations with maritime training institutions. We're investing in two new hospitals on the islands of New Providence. Access to healthcare is important in anything that we do. And so, yes, we're investing in two new hospitals on the islands of New Providence and Grand Bahama. And we are preparing the next generation of healthcare professionals through the Public Hospital Authority Academy. We are also looking for ways to improve healthcare across our archipelago. The Bahamas is rich with opportunities in a diverse range of sectors. And the list of emerging opportunities grows every day. Our commitment to sustainable practices, economic growth, and good governance make us an ideal partner for your investments. As I close this afternoon, I would like to acknowledge the nearly 10 years 
of Distinguished Service by our Honorary Consul, Michael Fountain. man in Chicago and uh, by the powers invested in me <laughs> I, I direct my foreign minister to remove honorary general. And so from this day on, it'll be, uh, be our council general. This is an upgrade uh, to which you need to have your diplomatic passport, the next, which will be delivered to you as well. So Chicago, you see how much we love you. We have upgraded the post. You no longer have an honorary council. But our man will now be a council, the council general. Yeah. And, and again, Michael, thank you for your service. Yeah. Thank you. I want to want to thank you all for your time and your attention. I hope we have inspired you to be a part of the exciting change and progress in my country. Just as you have so warmly welcomed me to Chicago today, I look forward to welcoming you to the Bahamas soon as partners in building a more prosperous future together. Thank you. So much, Prime Minister. If you'd like to take a take a, a sip and a breath, thank you for those um, inspiring remarks and what an honor to uh, have seen that happen. Shows it does show how important Chicago is to the Hamas, and we certainly appreciate that and appreciate you being here at the City Club of Chicago. We do have a couple of nice gifts for you to bring home and perhaps share with a few of your team. But I will say. In the customs of the City Club, it's hard to get off the stage without being able to answer a couple of questions. So hopefully you're open to that, sir. <laughs> All right. We, we did have a couple of pre-submitted questions, and we'll, um, I won't give you any, any hard balls. How about that? <laughs> and, I was a baseball player, and I did hit the fastball. <laughs> <laughs> you did hit the fastball. Um, so, Carol, and this is, uh, this is how we, at City Club, where we bring together civic leaders and uh, government leaders and philanthropic leaders to come and, and have this conversation and understand how to move the city forward and how to move our partnerships forward. So uh, Carol uh, Kristen, who is going to become a member, is not yet, uh, asked, how do you preserve and protect your culture within a global economy? So you have a, a culture which we saw such a, a beautiful showing of right this morning with the, with your entrance and music. Um, how are you able to preserve that that culture within this large global economy? Well, 
We do so by continuing to to educate our people and continuing to have events to ensure that our culture is not forgotten. And so what you saw was just a glimpse as to John Canoe. So each year we have the John Canoe Parade, two John Canoe Parades, um, with costumes, with thousands of persons participating. We do so by having um, uh, regattas, which is to say sailing has become our national sport, and we have the events of regattas where we go to the communities in the family islands, where we experience the uniqueness of those islands, and we continually replay our 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 cultural um, activities. It is challenging for the younger ones because they're inundated always with social media, um, with uh, the United States being so close. Most of our news, our watch the television we watch is primarily the American um, news, American news, American shows. So it is challenging, but we have been able to find a balance where we continue to hold events, invite young people to the events, and and have them participate in in things that are cultural. So, for example, we have a junior Junkanoo parades where all the students um, in the high, in the schools and the schools participate uh, annually, just to ensure they understand what Junkanoo is about, because that is one of our predominant culture. We also have the Rakenskui, which is which uh, which my island is known for, and so we have an annual rake and scrape uh, festival, and those things we keep going, and I think that's the only way we can can do it, to share some of the influences that come from outside. Very good, very good. Thank you. Um, one one last question. Chicago here is is seeing a recent surge of migrants and asylum seekers, as I'm, I'm sure you've. Uh, seen in in that news, um, has that been the case in the Bahamas? And how do you handle migration and immigration as an island nation? Well, we do have um, a challenge with migration as well. Um, what we have done is we have entered into partnerships with the U.S. Coast Guard, the Cuban Coast Guard, the um, Turks and Caicos Coast Guard. They are like a triangle. That uh, that sort of have a, that protects our border. Um, the challenge we have is with migrants from Haiti. Um, Haiti is undergoing right now a very turbulent time. The country has become dysfunctional. Um, all of the institutions are being have been taken over by gangs. Um, as chairman of CARICOM, I. I've been working with attempting to find a solution for the challenges, working with the State Department here and, and um, Canada. Um, I appointed a, a eminent group to, to try to resolve the issues in Haiti. I think they were in Haiti for this week. They only came back yesterday. Um, I await a report of their findings to see how we can bring the the sides together. Um, in June, I brought together, they have about 200 political parties in that small nation. We, able, we identified the, the 50 most prominent parties 
and I was able to bring them all in one group, one room for the first time ever in Jamaica to have a conversation between themselves. My charge to them is to say, look, there are many differences here, right? But if you talk long enough, just look at the example I use is North Pole, South Pole. You might think you're far apart, your differences, but you can find the common features. If you look at North Pole and South Pole, they're so far apart, but look, their landscape, is, the features are similar. So look at that difference and find those common features. That is what we're doing, dealing with our migrant. We're trying to make things better in Haiti. Because that's, that is where our predominant irregular migrants are coming from. So working in making Haiti a better place for the citizens there to live is our response to that. When they come, we repatriate them. Um, we will keep them and, and take them back to where they are going. Uh, back to Haiti, and that's what we've been doing, despite the cries of the U.S. and the U.N. for us not to deport, but we cannot afford with our limited resources to to absorb any any more migrants. And truth be told, um, over the years, perhaps about thirty percent of our population is now is now Haitian. This Haitian migrant descent. Um, we cannot afford to keep absorbing that amount because it's a strain on our our services. And so I've been telling them no, <laughs> despite the, the urgings to do otherwise. And it is a troubling because they are very desperate. And, and any means they get on these rickety boats, not seaworthy. Um, very, very often we find a body, a body or two washed up on shores. It's because they were, and we don't know, and we find out they're not Bahamians, they're unidentifiable. But intelligence will say that a boat would have left Haiti, and they may have run aground, sunk. And people are just drowning and ending up. So it's a very um, sad state because they are desperate. They need help. Um, we're doing our best to help with our limited resources. But we need. We cannot do it alone in the Caribbean. Um, I've had several meetings with um, the authorities here in touch with the Canadians. Um, but so far, as usual, talk talk, talk, little action. Um, my Minister of Foreign Affairs is the point person in trying to resolve those those issues. But, you know, we have to also appreciate that migratory issues is probably connected to, to another issue, and that is climate change. Because if you look at your southern border and see the demographic of those persons who are coming, they're all fleeing from uh, central Latin America. From about 2015, they've had unseasonal drought, meaning that they're unable to grow their food, they're unable to um, make a living. Their livelihood is threatened because of the unprecedented drought that they're having, and so they're fleeing. If I look at my country, I'm one of the most, one of the ten most vulnerable countries in the world to climate change. 
We are spread over 100,000 square miles of water. 80% of my land mass is less than three meters above sea level. If, if nothing happens, at the end of the day, our people are doomed to a watery grave because of the sea level rise, or we become climate, climate refugees, and where we will be going. And so you'll find, and this is one of, one of the messages I'm putting out there, that, you know, it is in the larger industrialized countries' interests to do something about their carbon footprints. It is in their interest. Otherwise, they will be inundated with the, what I call the climate refugees, and it also will impact their GDP, according to studies that suggest if nothing happens with, by 2030, 20, 20, 2050, they could see the world GDP being impacted by at least 30%. So there, there's a lot to talk about when we talk about what motivates um, a people from moving from their homeland to seek a better life in another. I think now, now we all understand why the New York Times called you the most impassioned speaker on, on climate change out of over 100 heads of state. So again, in, incredible to hear your remarks and, and um, thank you for sharing them with us here at City Club. Um, I'll end with one real tough one. I didn't realize you're such a baseball fan. Cubs or Sox? Cubs. Oh. I'm a self-sider, so I don't know. That's all right. Half of the people in here will, will appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, what, I'd, what I'd like to do is invite our, our chairwoman, Jackie Robinson-Ivy, to come up. And we do have a number of gifts, um, Mr. Prime Minister, that uh, if you don't mind, step over here and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. The, the Hatchery is an organization um, located on Chicago's west side. We've had a couple city club, club programs there, a food and beverage incubator that, dedicate, that dedicates their efforts to helping local entrepreneurs. So we found a couple of different local entrepreneurs that have some tasty, uh, we've got Carolyn's, Carolyn's Crisps and Tubby's Taste, both female-owned businesses uh, that are making sweet and savory treats that we figured you may be able to take back. I don't know if they're going to make it all the way back to, uh, to the Bahamas, but you're, uh, you're more than welcome there. And then we also uh, are sharing some Vosges Chocolate, another uh, female-owned business here in Chicago that's my favorite. And, um, and, and, the, and the final piece of our gift, sir, is a one-year membership to the City Club of Chicago. So we, so we, we hope you'll come back. <laughs> it would be an honor to have you back. And, uh, He's and coming we hope, when the farm team guy comes Yeah, back. there you go. <laughs> so it would, be honored to, to, it would be an honor to have you come back, and we'll make sure our new council general uh, can, can help welcome you. We all certainly... Uh, we'll, we'll be heading to the Bahamas soon, and uh, I look forward to that trip. Uh, I welcome all of you back here to City Club. We've got a great few programs. Uh, uh, Kwame Raul, our Attorney General, is coming on Wednesday, uh, and Senator Tammy Duckworth, who I believe you've met, is, is coming here on September 22nd, and, and lots more to come. But this was the first time in 120 years, sir, that we have welcomed a head of state to the City Club of Chicago. So... Thank you again. Thank you all for being here. Have a great Chicago day and a safe trip home, sir.